Church, I think I've shared with you before that there's a few core beliefs that, for me, are the foundation of my entire faith. And, you know, things that are undeniable for me, the very specific statements about God or elements of faith that without them my faith wouldn't stand, uh, but everything is based upon those. And I hope we all have those things uh, during times like this where life is kind of stressful and we're feeling a little bit adrift in life or overwhelmed. I really have to kind of keep things simple and be able to go back to at least some basic things that say, this is what I believe and this is what I know and everything else can be questioned, everything else can be uncertain, but I'm hanging on to this because I can't believe anything other than this. This is just so true to me that it's undeniable and my entire worldview is based upon it. The four that I always usually go to for myself are the fact that God is life. Uh, life is part of God. Life is divine. God is the source of all life. He creates life. He's a creator God. He redeems. He restores life. He resurrects, creates new life, uh, second lives, like, he, you know, life after death, um, new heaven, new earth, uh, obviously Jesus, um, you know, prayer for healing. All those things, uh, to me, define who God is. And so then it helps me make sense of the world around me. Whenever I see things that are death or things that are sickness or things that are opposite of life, that, that drain, that depress, that overwhelm, uh, sin, uh, suffering, those sorts of things, I know, well, those are not from God. That's not God's domain. That's not what he does. That's the shadow that's cast by the light. God is light. So life for me is one of my foundational beliefs. I can't believe that life is accidental. I can't believe that life is meaningless. And when we work to restore life or help life, there's such joy and truth and beauty that I know it to be good. And all the things I see that destroy life and hinder and, and tear down, I, I just feel to be wrong. And if I knew nothing else about God, I would believe that to be true. Uh, so that's the first one. The second one is design. Uh, I believe that I, I see design in all of creation and all of the solar system, that I see design in the seasons, that I see design in life cycles, in the human body, that I see design in relationships, I see design in everything. And to me, this is evidence that there's some sort of purpose and meaning and organization to the universe. And even if I didn't know the name Jesus or, or know about a God, I would say it seems like things are meant to go a certain way. When they don't go that way, things break. And that it's well organized and it's detailed to, you know, infinite detail. Uh, and so that to me is something I see and that I firmly believe and see in scripture to define who God is, the designer, sovereign God, God with a plan. Um, uh, but it also gives meaning to life because it means there's purpose. Everyone has a place in, you know, animals in the animal kingdom and lives and life cycles. And there's purpose and meaning for life at every stage of life, uh, every type of person, every type of life. And so design for me is a fundamental belief of, of God and of my faith and influences everything else that I see. Uh, I cannot not believe that there's design and therefore purpose and meaning to the world that we live in. Um, so then the third one would be uh, the truth of the Bible, the validity of Scripture. I just see that it makes sense and that it works. I've never known someone to put into practice uh, principles they learned in Scripture and have them not work. It just always works. Uh, the, the Bible proves itself true. Uh, there are many times where uh, non-believing people put into practice the principles of Scripture and it goes well for their business, for their whatever they're doing, their occupation, their, their counseling, their teaching, their marriages. 
And then you look back like, oh, that's straight from the Bible. The Bible's advice works. It has wisdom. It doesn't fail. It's trustworthy. It's proven over time. It's been validated. And so that essentially is just truth, right? I believe there's a truth in Scripture that stands the test of time. And so as I take advice of Scripture and then either put into practice or fail to put into practice, I see the positive results and I see the failings and the negative consequences, but I see it being proven every time to be true. And so I just know that there's wisdom here. I know this truth. I got to go back to this uh, to keep learning more of it so that I can find myself succeeding in the purpose and design of this world based on that truth and so that I can have life. Like They're intertwined, but the truth of scripture to me is something that is just amazing. It just is so true and it works. Uh, it can be trusted. And then the fourth one would just be the uniqueness of Christ. Uh, there's never been anyone like him, in my opinion. I, I just, there have been lots of wise people before, but no wise people who claim to, you know, forgive sins. Uh, plenty of wise people who gave good advice and seemed like a good teacher, which some people think Jesus is, but those people didn't also claim that they would rise from the dead and then have eyewitnesses afterwards say they saw him after he was dead and there was an empty tomb. There's been plenty of wise people, but none of them claim to be the Son of God the way he did. There's been plenty of wise people, but uh, none of them willing to martyr themselves for the sake of sinful people in the way that Jesus did. Um, plenty of wise people, but so many of them looking to elevate and promote themselves, and he sought to humble himself and be a servant and wash people's feet. Been plenty of wise people, but uh, none of them look like Jesus in my mind. Uh, you can look at Muhammad or Buddha or uh, founders of multiple religions and you look in their past and you say they have kind of like a checkered past. <laughs> Jesus just doesn't have that. He's just flawless and he is unique. And so to me, that's evidence of his divinity, God in human form, incarnate. Um, and so I look at Christ and I say, there's something there that can't be found any place else. I mean, he makes statements like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I don't think there's any bragging in that or any exclusivity. It's just a fact. There's just nothing like him. And the unique grace that he brings and makes available to us because of being the Son of God, because of being God's grace despite our sin, there's nothing like that either. And I know I need that. We all need God's grace when we look at our lives and are confronted with our own weakness, our own failings, our own sinfulness. Um, that's what we need Jesus for. Not just the law to tell us we've sinned, but grace to help us despite our sin. So I would look at those four things and say, those are foundational for my faith. Everything is built upon those and um, they're not optional and they're not negotiable for me. They, they are things that I have read from scripture. And then when I look at what God says and compare it to the world, I say it's proven true. This man, Jesus, these eyewitness testimonies, writings outside of scripture. I look at that Jesus and I look at the world. I'm like, man, there's nothing like him. The definitions of God and his nature and character and life. I look at that and I learn that, oh yeah, this is the way it's meant to be. This is God's view of the, his creation. And I look at the world and I see the mess we make of it. I'm like, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. The truth of Proverbs, of Jesus' teachings, of the Ten Commandments, you know, when those things get compared to the world, um, they just shine. They're, they're elevated. They're enlightening. They're just proven to be so much superior than to what anything else the world has to offer.
So this brings me to the point of this conversation for this week with us. I don't think that we're exalting God's word highly enough in our lives. And I don't think that we're knowing it and loving it and digging into it enough to make us effective at doing the comparisons, to make us effective at having life, giving life, bringing life, restoring life the way we should, the way we see it here, uh, in living to our purpose the way God hopes that we will, the way he's designed us to, uh, in living out Christ the way he is. I don't see us necessarily evidencing all the things that we see in scripture and I feel like part of our problem might be we think that we don't need it or we think we already understand it or we think we can do without it and it reminded me as I was thinking of this um, of that game you can play you know a good old youth group game uh, or family game two truths and a lie right you, you say a couple of things three things and one of them's not true and the other two are and you don't know how to discern between them well I think this scripture here is what helps all the discerning happen. The more we know the word, the more we know what real life is supposed to look like. And then we compare it to, say, our own marriage or our parenting. Like, man, I'm not breathing life into my children. I'm not speaking life into my spouse. This, this is what it's supposed to look like. Look at Ephesians. Look at creation with Adam and Eve. Look at like what was supposed to then where do I go from there? What does the Bible have to say about loving our spouse, about raising our children? It's got a lot to say, but I'm not sure that we're elevating this highly enough that we can tell the difference. I think we're falling for the lies because we're not digging into the truth. And that's what makes me want to challenge us to prize and to celebrate and to elevate this word of God in our own lives on a daily basis. Because the truths we find here will become the foundations that we need. And the things that I know about God, Him being a God of life and being a God of design, the things about Scripture being proven true about Christ, they're things I learned here and then compared them to the world and they were proven true. Many people want to critique Scripture, but they've never read it. Or they've read a piece of it or a verse out of context. Read it all. Read all of the Psalms, all of Proverbs. Read all of Jesus' writings. Read all of Paul's writings. Read all of Moses' writings. Read a bunch and then say, how does it bear out? And don't just read it, but try it. Live it. Give it a whirl. See what would happen if we did everything that God suggests. What would it look like in our marriage and our families in the world and so forth? And so my challenge for this week is for us to practice, actually physically practice right now, digging truth out of God's word to apply to our lives. And so for that reason... I'm not going to give you the 10 truths that I want you to dig out of God's Word. Uh, I feel like God wants me to give you a chapter of the Bible and ask you to take out a paper and pen. And if you're on your own at home, then take out the paper and pen and just do this on your own. If you're part of a missional community or a backyard worship time, um, get out paper and pen or talk about it and build this list together. But find 10 truths about God's Word. 10 things that God wants to say to you. And by me not picking the 10, I think it gives you the opportunity to talk with God and let him bring 10 things out of scripture that he uniquely wants to say to you. So the best place I know to direct you for that is uh, Psalm 119. It's an acrostic psalm. It's one of the longest, if not the longest psalm by chapter and one of the longest chapters in the entire Bible, um, Psalm 119. And what it is, is a celebration of God's word. Acrostic because it takes every letter from the Hebrew alphabet and writes a short poem about 
the Word of God, about the Torah, about the law, about God's uh, commandments and statutes and laws and wisdom, and, you know, celebrates it, praises God for it. So you should be able to find, I should be able to find a hundred truths about God's Word in all of these, every letter of the alphabet, given a whole paragraph, a whole short song, a whole short uh, poem about it. Um, I'll take just verse 9 as my example. It just says in Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So the truth there is for our young people, for our teenagers, for our children. How are we going to, how are you going to survive? Keep your life on track? How can you keep your way pure from not getting corrupted? How can you keep your life from not getting um, dragged down by others? How can you keep your life on track when tempted with substances and parties and relationships and all the things that just want to pull you off and, and kind of wring you out and leave you on the side? Those things have nothing, no life to offer you. They have no design to offer you. They have no truth to offer you. They have no grace to offer you. You know, for my own four kind of pillars of my faith, I, you can't find those there. This is one of those statements that just says it. How can a young man or woman keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So there's defense that's needed. But the defense is according to God's word. So what does God think about this? I'm being invited to do this or to say this or to watch this or to take this. Um, what should I do? If we have nothing that's truth, then we just fall for all the substitutes. We fall for all the lies and all the temptations. And we're weak, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we're just weak sometimes. We just fall for it. But the more that we know the truth, the more that we'll see through the temptation. Be like, that's not good for me. That's not going to give me anything that I want. At the end of that, it's just going to be regret. And I'll be a little bit more damaged with a little bit more baggage than I had before it. It just doesn't offer me the things that I need. What's good for me, what's going to get me where I want to go, is going to get me to the design of the purpose that God has in store for me. So I would say one truth from Psalm 119.9 is the way to protect and survive adolescence and teenage years into becoming a young adult, to stay on track, to stay safe, to stay guarded, is to protect ourselves by knowing what God says is good for us, by knowing what God says will help us according to his word. What are the things that will build us up that will give us purpose and meaning? God has those things for us and the world can't offer them. So there's one truth right off of the first couple of verses of Psalm 119. It's a long psalm, like I said. How many verses in it in total? 176 verses. So my, my homework to you right now, just to stop as soon as this video is done, take out paper and pen and write down 10 truths that you can find. God will lead you. I believe God will lead you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the specific truths between verse 1 and verse 176 that he wants you to know about his word. Those are the 10 truths. 10 truths and a lie. The lie, I guess, is that you don't need this Bible. The lie is that it's just a history book and it's not relevant for you. The lie is that you can read it once and just be done with it and know everything that it says. Uh, the lie can be that it's outdated advice. The lie could be that um, you just can live by the Holy Spirit and let Him tell you day by day what to do. We live by the Spirit, but the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And this is the Word of truth. And Jesus is truth. Like, 
this is God's truth. So the Holy Spirit actually takes scriptures that are in our minds, that we've read, that we've memorized, hugely important to memorize word of scripture. That's a hint maybe of something you'll find in Psalm 119 about memorizing, hiding God's word in our hearts, memorizing scripture so that it's always at our fingertips. But I'll let you find your 10. Um, the lie is that we don't need God's word, and I think we need it more than ever. And when we need something stable that we can come back to, that we can settle on, that we can feel confident in, there's nothing like a book that in some places is 3,000 years old and still works. There's nothing like a 3,000-year-old book to make you feel confident that God is true, <coughs> that his truth still stands, and that we can hang in there. And if God and his people have survived all these thousands of years from Abraham Old Covenant, through Moses and the Law, through Christ and the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit poured out to the, the church. If God can be consistent for all those people for all that time, He absolutely can step in through a coronavirus, uh, a world wrestling with racism and sin and addiction, with a world in desperate need of repentance, with a Christian church that has been uh, put into exile and scattered in some ways. Like God's done this for his people for all time. How do I know? Because I've read the history of it. And I've seen that the advice given then still stands true. I just encourage you to elevate the scripture. This is the truth. Everything else out there in the world is just offering you lies. And you have to know the difference between them. And you have to have a firm foundation, something to hang on to when we don't know what to believe. When we don't know which news report, which official biography, which uh, statistic to believe. When we don't know that, we can know that this is true. And so just read some truth. Read something that will give you a foundation so that in tough times we don't have to feel like we're overwhelmed or lost. We can just keep coming back to God and to his, his truth. So take some time now. Find your 10 truths, the 10 things that God wants you to hear from him today. It's Psalm 119. Uh, we know that this is poetry, much of it written by King David, but not all of it. These are meant to be sung. So make it a, a celebration, a song from you to God, uh, thanking him for his word, thanking him for the things that have been saved for us over all these years so we can just read them and flip through thousands of years of history and say, wow, look at what God did. And then we can get on our knees and say, God, please step in and do the same things for us that you did in scripture. I know you did it, so I know you can do it. So may you be blessed by the 10 truths that God leads you to right now and uh, never fall for the lie that you don't need the word of God. It is a firm foundation and will bless you this week as you read and memorize and study and sing. God bless you, church.